All right, Alexander, let's do an update as to what is going on. In Ukraine this morning, we had uh, the uh, Gedan um, drones. They hit, uh, they hit various cities. Kiev was, was the city that they did a lot of damage in. Um, obviously, Ukraine has no, no answer for, for this missile drone um, attack that, that Russia is, is uh, putting forth every, every week or every other week. Uh, we have Putin and Shoigu in Minsk, in Belarus. They actually touched down just a couple of hours ago. Um, a lot of a lot of talk as to what's going on there. You did a show uh, yesterday. You talked about uh, Marinka and the Russians. It is confirmed now that the Russians do have control of Marinka. They're closing in on Bakhmut every day. They're getting closer yeah. and closer to closing in on Bakhmut as well. Though it looks like Ukraine is doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on Bakhmut. I say this every time we talk about Bakhmut. If it's not that significant of um, a city like the collective West mainstream media tells us, then why is the Ukraine military doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on this insignificant city? Marinka is actually important, though, because as you noted yesterday, Alexander, Marinka is one of the cities which one of the very fortified villages, you could say, that has been used to... Uh, to strike at Donetsk city. And so uh, after Marinka, what is left is Avdivka. And then it looks like, for the most part, the the shelling towards Donetsk will yeah. have uh, abated. Exactly. But that's what it looks like. So yeah. I think that's that's everything that, uh, that is ev- going on. I don't know. You want to start it, with on-the-ground no. update and then go to I, Minsk? I'm going to I'm going to be very brief on the on, on the on the ground update because I think you've covered it all. But you're absolutely right. Now, I mean, they, they're always saying at the moment the media in the West is saying the U.S. government saying that we have a kind of operational pause in the war. Well, if you're fighting in Don Donbass, if you're a Ukrainian soldier, place like Marinka or Bakhmut, you don't see much sign of a pause there. It may not be dramatic rapid movements but they they this grinding offensive continues ukraine continues to throw people into this um awful meat grinder in bakhmut we, even the ukrainians are now referring to bakhmut as a meat grinder and um, at the same time they're losing these other places they're losing marinka they you they've lost another place called yakov I, I probably get the name wrong, Yakovinka or whatever it is, Vodyanoye, they've lost that as well. Gradually, step by step, the Russians are breaking Ukrainian resistance in Donbass. It's a slow battle, but it's been ongoing for months and the Russians are making progress all the time. Now, we always get people coming along saying to us, well, look, it's, you know, the fact that the Russians are so slow must mean that the Ukrainians are doing things well. If the Ukrainians are suffering enormous losses by holding on to every millimeter of ground in the way that they are doing, then they are not doing well and that they're buying these extra days and weeks and months at the enormous price of their own soldiers and their own army. And we've now started to read all kinds of reports. Daily Telegraph talks about the Ukrainian army being tired. I saw somewhere else how the Ukrainian army is exhausted, is running out of equipment. Even, you know, Zaluzhny, the commander of it, said as much to the economist. We, t- we talked about that. So this is what is actually happening on the battlefields. And 
Um, Alex said that the Ukrainians don't have a response to the uh, Russian missile and drone attacks. Well, they do. They tell they tell fables. They say that they've shot down most of these missiles, even as we see the enormous damage these missiles and these drones do. And they repeat constantly this mantra that the Russians are going to run out of missiles. So I think it was this morning, the, the day we're making this video, that Danilov, who is the secretary of Ukraine's Security Council, says that they've only got missiles left for four more strikes. Four. <laughs> Which is exactly what he said, by the way, a month ago. So I think that's all I'm going to say about the battlefields. Alex summed it all up, but that's 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 where we are. The big news over the last couple of days is that we've had an extraordinarily important sequence of meetings. Now, the first one was on Thursday when Putin met with the Security Council, which is Russia's top policy-making body. And we don't know what happened then. That's a regular meeting, but he met on Thursday at the Security Council. On Friday, he went to the so-called Joint Staff Headquarters of the Russian military that is engaged in fighting in Ukraine. And he was briefed by Surovikin and all his staff. Uh, Shoigu, the defense minister, was there. Gerasimov, the chief of the general staff, was there. Meeting went on for a whole day. That was a huge set of meetings, and we have to assume that the military leaders were all briefing Putin as to what exactly was going, to, was going on and what they were going to do, what their battle plans were, and apparently he met with them individually afterwards. He met with all the uh, you know, key military commanders individually after the general meeting, and then there was a summary meeting afterwards. And now, after that meeting, we learn that he's come to Minsk. He's going to meet Lukashenko. Uh, Shoigu, the defense minister, is with him. Lavrov arrived just before, just before Putin came. So this is a big meeting, bringing together the entire Russian military and political leadership, its key leaders, Putin, Shoigu, and Lavrov, with Lukashenko and his top staff. And then after that meeting, when Putin comes back to Moscow, there's said to be another big meeting in the works. This is the military collegium of the defense ministry that brings together not just the military leaders who are involved in the war in Ukraine. It brings together all the entire Russian military establishment as well. So it's a whole series of important meetings that Putin is now having with all of the key people involved in the conflict, not just in Ukraine, but in the conflict, if you like, with the West. The military people in Russia and now also the military and political leaders in Belarus. So everything now points to something very big indeed, some kind of big offensive being on the way, being planned. And we can't say when, we can't say how, we're not going to say whether it's going to go for Kiev or Zaporozhye or Odessa or the Dnieper River or whatever it is, but clearly all, all, the, all the pieces are now being put into place and all the plans are being uh, um, perfected. Yeah, um, this follows uh, Zaluzhny's interview uh, with The Economist, where he was 100% convinced that uh, the Russia is going to make a move 
towards Kiev via yeah. Belarus. That's one of the the, the thoughts, one of the uh, the ideas that's that's very uh, popular right now is that uh, you know Russia is preparing something via Belarus. Uh, the the other uh, the other line of thinking is that uh, you know the troops in Belarus, everything that's going on in Belarus, acts as as in one instance as a kind of feint, a kind of fake to to keep. Um, the the military in Ukraine on their toes, so that they always have to have to consider this force right above them. Though nothing may happen there, but it also acts as a deterrent to uh, to NATO and um, and to the West, so that they don't make any kind of kind of interesting moves towards uh, either Belarus or even towards the other rumor, which is the other the other thinking which is making a move towards Lviv and towards the west of Ukraine. Yeah. So that force acts as a kind of deterrent slash um, faint in a way. I mean, it, yes. it serves multiple purposes. Yes. So there's some people that say this is going to be activated and it's going to strike down towards Kiev. And there's other, uh, there's other um, theories which say, no, no, that, that force is there to, to balance things out and to keep everybody in check and to keep everybody on their toes. We don't know. No. We don't know we don't. What, <laughs> what's going on. But obviously all these meetings uh, and all these people, you know, traveling to, to Belarus, something big is, is happening. I mean, Absol- I think absolutely. That's, that's clear now. Absolutely. And, he, and he, by the way, uh, uh, bears out exactly the point that you made on a video, which we did a short time ago, when, you know, Putin... Uh, postponed his press conference and he's addressed at the federal assembly he said you i remember you saying you know people who are saying this is a sign you know this is a sign of a good sign because it shows how you know the situation in moscow is getting fragile it's actually a bad sign (laughs) it shows that something big is on the way and here you see i think confirmation of this something very big is on the way now i don't know what it is and you describe this possibility about a move to kiev it's clear that zeluzhny is terrified of this this is this is zeluzhny's fear he's got to protect kiev zelensky said something i thought absolutely astonishing today by the way he said no we're not going to evacuate people from kiev even though they're without water or heating and all those things even though you know they, they're going through the most terrible privations because if we take away the civilian population from kiev that makes it easier for the russians to occupy kiev so on the one hand he's admitting that He's using the civilian population of Kiev as a kind of shield, which is a rather disturbing thought in itself. But it also shows that he's worried about Kiev, too. So regardless of whether the Russians are planning an attack on Kiev, all these moves, all these maneuvers, all this appearance of troops there, it's managed to convince the Ukrainians of that. And it's already pinning large numbers of Ukrainian troops along the border with Belarus, preparing for this Russian advance on Kiev. Now, it may be that that's what the Russians are planning, or it may not. We simply don't know. I personally going to say a few things. I think it's most unlikely that Putin and Shoigu and Lavrov would be coming to Kiev, to Minsk, and having talks with Lukashenko if Belarus was not going to be involved in some way. So I think probably 
something of that nature has been discussed. But I think rather than an attempt to capture Kiev itself, which would be very difficult, I think it's more likely a pinning operation. Again, in other words, keeping Ukrainian troops, holding them in the north, forcing Ukraine to divert troops from other fronts to try to defend Kiev whilst Surovikin and his army in Donbass continue their forward advance to the Dnieper River. So I think if I was to make a guess, I'm not a military strategist, I think that's the most, most likely explanation of what we're seeing. But regardless of what it is, regardless of what the Russians plan, something big is on the way. Of that, there is no doubt at all. Yeah, and you could also make the argument that uh, Putin, Lavrov and Shoigu are going to Belarus in order to, uh, to completely fake out uh, the collective West and uh, Zeluzhny, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. nothing is 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 really on a military strategic level yeah. is is being planned out. They're just kind of doing this on on the back of that interview with the Economist and all the talk in Kiev, because all the talk in Kiev is about in, in Kiev is about Kiev and the Alexei yeah. regime. It's all about Kiev. That's all they're talking about. When yeah. is Russia going to take Kiev? So maybe. You know, they're just kind of playing playing into uh, into the fears of the Alensky regime and of the West. Who knows? That, Who knows? that could be a possibility. But it's I, possible. I, I think it's something along. Yeah, it's possible. It's yeah. possible. I mean, you, you know what it shows? It, it shows that 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 uh, Russia is in complete control of what's going on. That's what exactly. Exactly. They're in complete control of, of of everything that is going on right now. Yes. Not yes. only on the on the battlefield, but also the 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 uh, the optics of everything and yes. and, and the sense and anxiety and fears and everything around the battlefield. The Russians are are completely in control of it. You know, it's it's that cat that cat playing playing with the mouse. That's the kind of sense that I'm getting. You know, the Russians now absolute. are toying with uh, with Alensky. Absolutely. I think that's entirely correct. And I think I think you've got it exactly correct. I think that's exactly what they're doing. I, it also contrasts, it just use the contrast too, between the two leaders. I mean, Putin have been this sequence of meetings step by step. He's preparing his moves. Zelensky telling us, well, I mean, he says he comes up with all sorts of extraordinary things. He says one of the things he said today, apparently, was that, you know, the only guarantee that he's prepared to give is that Putin's life will be skipped spared when presumably uh, uh, Ukraine takes Moscow. <laughs> so it gives you the sense of the difference between the two men as well. But you're absolutely right. The Russians hold the initiative. Um, they are the ones who are going to make all the big decisions over the next few weeks, over the next few days. And they're keeping us all guessing. They're keeping the Ukrainians guessing. They're making Zeluzhny increasingly despondent. That was what that Economist article suggested to me and he's going to be even more despondent now when he sees Minsk hosting Putin, Shoigu and Lavrov. Yeah. I, I think uh Alensky is kind of uh no. coming mad. Yes. I mean crazy yes. I think. Yes. I, I don't know. I've I saw the interview that he gave with the French TV uh channel. And I think he's losing his mind. Yeah, I really do. He's he's challenging Putin to a one-on-one -on -one fight. He's talking about keeping people in Kiev and using them as uh, as shields. He That's says it. that the Ukrainians, in their mind, in their heads, they're ready to take over to reconquer Crimea in their heads. 
I think he is losing his mind. On the one on the one hand, he has Putin and and the Russian military keeping him guessing, and he has no idea. You know, he's probably thinking, when are the when are the Russians going to surround my palace in Kiev? He's probably got that on his mind. When are they going to surround my palace? On the other hand, he's got the the the, the West far far right Azov guys there. He's got the the, the neocons in the State Department, and they and then he's got Zeluzhny. A person that he does not get along with. There are more no. rumors coming out about how the two men despise each other. Yes. And uh, he's probably thinking this guy's Zeluzny is going to uh, – he's going to be uh, deposing me. So I think, yes. I think Zelensky's kind yes. of losing yes. his mind. Yes. And, and we're starting to see that. You can see in that interview yes. Yes. He's, going, uh, he's going mad. Well, indeed, really absolutely. Is. I mean, I'm glad you brought up the Crimean thing because the Crimean thing I thought was absolutely bizarre. You know, we've start, we've already started the uh, uh, you know the campaign to retake Crimea, and it, it's not, not something we plan. It's not something we're doing. We're psychologically, mentally preparing for it. As you said, it it it, it, it was very weird. It was very very strange. And what the interviewer made of it all, I really can't imagine. And what the Western public, the French public made of it all, again, I can't imagine. But as I said, it, it did it did suggest a leader who is losing touch with reality. And can I just say, it's interesting what you said about, you know, him becoming, you know, going mad, if you like. Because that is exactly what the Americans and the South Vietnamese concluded about President Ziem of South Vietnam before they finally moved to overthrow him. They decided in his case that Ziem was becoming a liability, a massive liability, because he was becoming so bizarre and so eccentric and so many of the things he was doing. And eventually they backed the military to remove, remove Ziem. I've mentioned this many times. And you could say that, the, again, the very high profile that Zeluzhny has been given it suggests that some people in Washington are looking at these interviews Zelensky is giving, having to work with Zelensky all the time, having to deal with Zelensky when he tells them that a S-300 missile Ukraine has launched is really a Russian cruise missile and things of this kind. Well, I think they must be getting increasingly exasperated. And I would not be surprised if after interviews like that, they're starting to say enough's enough. We've got to find a way to get someone else. And Zelushin is maybe the man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and then he wanted to, to speak at the at the World Cup and uh, they denied him and yeah. he went crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Very well, angry I mean, about Very angry about yeah. that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's uh, let, let's wrap it up with uh, yeah. an, an analysis as to as to how things are uh, shaping up for uh, Ukraine. The economy is is a mess. Um, the European Union is going to to give an 18 billion euro loan. They're going to take out a loan and then loan it to Ukraine. And that's not enough. No. The United States is saying you need to give more. Uh, the damage to the uh, electric, uh, uh, the energy electric infrastructure in Ukraine is really uh, at a tipping point. I mean, I think two or three more strikes of of the nature of what we got last week, and you could be, I mean, we could be looking at seventy five percent. I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing fifty percent of the grid is it's is down. just knocked yeah. out now. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's down. So three, four, five more weeks of this, and. You know, it, it could be at at a terrible level. Uh, refugee crisis, 
you know, a lot of talk about evacuating Kiev, evacuating many cities. Um, and, and, and the weather conditions are pointing to, to the ground hardening and, and a lot of uh, military analysts are saying that's when, that's when the Russians are going to make their move, the, the, uh, the mobilization, the partial mobilization, all those uh, troops are for the most part finishing up or, or, or already trained up. So they're, I imagine they've got to be uh, moving to a position where they're ready. Yeah. Um, it's everything is pointing to to a very very bad 2023 for uh, for Elensky and um, I mean I, I don't know how do you see I mean I'm, I'm just looking I, at I, all I, the signs I, I, and, I agree and with that I agree with not, that I agree with yeah, that I mean yeah. I mean it, it, it doesn't and, it, and real it, quick and, and, and real quick. Uh, Alexander, real quick, uh, I also want to ask you in your analysis, there are also reports that the Russians are not only going after the energy grid, but they've also identified some of the S-300 air defense installations as well. Yes. And they're taking those out yes. as well. I, I, I can't confirm this, but this no. is what I've, I've uh, read as well. So that's also interesting. I, I saw those reports as well. And I also got, by the way, a really, really uh, sad email from someone in Odessa this morning who said that he's 16 hours a day without power in in Odessa. So this has been going on now for two weeks with no end in sight. So, you know, things are not looking good anywhere in Ukraine. And, um, you know, as you correctly said, Zelensky's just losing his wits um, in the face of it. He's, he's retreating into megalomania. And some elements of paranoia as well, paranoid about uh, Zeluzhny, perhaps with very good reason. But I agree. I mean, everything looks like the fact that the Russians are now going in for the kill. Now, it's probably not going to be uh, a quick kill, given the way things are, but that is how it's looking. And you talked about the Americans saying $18 billion for Ukraine is not enough. The EU had a huge battle with itself to get this $18 billion agreed. The Americans are now saying that they've got to provide, uh, um, that you know Ukraine needs to be given $2 billion more a month. That's another $24 billion. And I've heard some say, actually, it needs to be $8 billion a month. We're looking at $100 billion. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about dollars, not euros, by the way, of aid from Europe to Ukraine over the course of 2023. And that's only the estimate now. <laughs> I mean, it's an estimate that's going to go up and up. And of course, we're seeing growing problems in the European economy. You know, all that talk about how, you know, the energy problems have been fixed. Articles now appearing in Bloomberg and other places saying, well, actually, that's not right at all. Things are really bad in the, on that front. So a very bad year for Ukraine, 2020, 2023. And Zelensky has no answers. That's why he's retreating into these megalomaniac fantasies of retaking Crimea, um, putting Putin on trial, um, keeping all the people in Kiev, all, all of that sort of thing. So I don't know what's coming. Something big is certainly on the way, but it doesn't look good for Ukraine at all. 2023 looks like a disaster for Ukraine, and I agree with you. Yeah. I guess the only question is, can the U.S. continue to, to keep Ukraine afloat? Because I, 
I think with each passing week, Europe is uh, dropping out. Absolutely. I mean, Europe can't do it anymore. That, yep. That's the sense that I'm getting. Even Schultz is trying to find an off-ramp. Yep. Croatia the other day said they're not going to train. The parliament voted against training uh, troops. Uh, you had Slovakia. The uh, the government collapsed there. Yes. Uh, Europe, one by one, member states in Europe, in the EU are, you know, they're, they're, they're bow, bowing out for various reasons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, actually, whether in the US, with the Republicans now in control of the House, whether the political battles, which are sure to intensify over the course of the next year, are going to leave much room for Ukraine. And one gets the sense of the military, General Milley and people like that, also are, are starting to think that this is really uh, a, a, an investment, um, you know, that's absorbing far too much of everything that America has. I mean, we discussed that. We had that program with Brian Balletic and Gonzalo Lira a short time ago, but in which Brian, again, talked to us about how, you know, weapons have been poured into Ukraine, this voracious need Ukraine has for weapons is something that even the United States today simply can't keep up with. So 300 tanks, 700 infantry fighting vehicles, 500 howitzers, it just can't be done. Even the United States can't do it. And the administration in Washington is going to become distracted before long with its own problems, too many of its own problems, to really be able to focus too much on this. Yeah. All right. Any other final final thoughts before we, we wrap this one up? It's a terrible wasted year. We could have had a peace deal both before well, we had a peace deal. We had the Minsk agreement, which could have been implemented, and we almost had a Minsk deal, um, a peace deal, sorry, in March. And the British and the Americans, the administration and Boris Johnson sabotaged it and now we see where we are so an absolute disaster with Zelensky reduced to saying that he needs to keep the people in Kiev uh, basically to act as a shield for himself and to prevent Kiev becoming occupied by the Russians when a leader talks in that kind of desperate way well then you know that you know it's time's up really yeah I'm trying to think of 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 a, of a Shakespeare play which which encapsulates what uh, Zelensky is going through, but I just oh, can't. I don't know, the, no, nor can I. Nor can I. And that's a good point. Be, yeah, that encapsulates yeah. the the king going mad. Uh, oh well, look at the king going mad. You king, king Lear, I suppose, is the case of the king going mad. But that's a rather different circumstances to this one. I can't think yeah. of. I I simply can't think of a situation that um, parallels this one too exactly. As I said, President Siem in Vietnam, the leader of Germany in the last months of the war, was also saying some rather extraordinary things. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, um, it has some parallels. By the way, he also, the leader of Germany, was also talking about the importance of keeping civilian populations in cities to act as shields, which is why nobody was evacuated. There was no planned evacuation from Berlin, for example. Okay, uh, thedurand.locals.com. We are also on Rockfin as well. And uh, go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good, good day. Take care.